Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, we're back again, still studying in the book of Matthew. We're in chapter 8. We have worked our way down to, let's see, verse uh, verses 14 and 15 I want to cover. So we've gone through uh, Jesus coming down out of the mountain and encountering a little leper there. Then he went into Capernaum and um, ran into the, uh, the centurion who had come and asked Jesus to heal a servant of his. And of course, you know, we talked about how Christ was marveling at the great faith of this uh, centurion. So now we're down to verse 13. And it reads, and Jesus said, oh, I'm sorry, verse 14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, so now he's gone out of the mountain, he's gone into Capernaum, and then now he's headed for Peter's house. When Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us anything about Peter's family. We're assuming Peter had a godly family. Um, it, you know, it doesn't tell us one way or the other. I'm, I, we're guessing they, they were godly. Uh, Peter, of course, had been traveling with Jesus kind of like today, I guess. If you're a truck driver or something, you're gone a lot. But, uh, you know, and sometimes it's difficult to maintain control of your home. But I believe that, uh, you know, Peter's house was uh, basically a godly house. Um, and that's reflected in Peter's character. Um, of course, Peter was, you know, kind of um, hit or miss sometimes. You know, we see how he reacted in the garden, and we see that he was the one who rejected Christ at the crucifixion, um, you know, later on. So um, it kind of makes you wonder about, you know, what kind of home he had. But it, at least in this instance, they were receptive to the fact that Jesus was going to come to uh, Peter's house. So when he gets there, um, Peter's... Uh, mother-in-law is sick so when we start talking about Peter's family we're not we're not just talking about Peter and his wife and possibly kids or whatever and we're talking about his in-laws too and so she was there I don't know if she was living with them or you know what her situation was but for whatever reason she was at Peter's house and she was, says she was sick of a fever and so anyway uh, Jesus comes into Peter's house and he's sees the situation, assesses what's going on. And then in verse 15, it says, And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Now, it doesn't give us any background as to whether Peter requested Jesus to come because of that situation, whether Peter was even aware of the situation, how long she had been sick, none of that. And when he got there, it doesn't even talk about whether or not Peter beseeched Jesus to um, to address his his mother-in-law, it just says that Jesus did. 
He came in. There she was sick. Jesus went over and she touched her hand. The fever left her. She arose and ministered unto them. You only get these two verses here. So, you know, it's kind of interesting, this passage. Um, but Jesus walked over to her and uh, touched her. Now, notice the same hand that touched the lepers, the same hand that, you know, the same hand of mercy that touched the one burning with a fever. Um, Jesus is not particular. He's certainly not uh, limited by any particular type of disease or situation. He went from uh, from uh, healing a leper to healing one of a fever. And, of course, there are countless other situations, and it talks about that a little bit later on here in the chapter, about all the different people that had come to Jesus. You know, he, he healed one sick of the palsy. He cast out demons, a lot of different things. So he just, you know, he comes in, and there's a, there's a situation. He walks over. Uh, she's got a fever, and touches her hands. You know, the touch of God's hand, folks, always brings a blessing. And this is this is an interesting point um, that I want to bring out. Um, a touch is all it takes. And it doesn't matter in this case it, it didn't make, he didn't walk over and identify she had a fever so he had to touch her head. He just reached over and touched her hand. It, it made no difference where he touched her, and that's the way it is with Jesus. There's so many things in our lives and so many things going on that if, if we get a touch from Jesus, it doesn't matter what <laughs> what area it's in, it's going to impact the whole body. That's the power of Christ. That's what he does in our life. You know, and that's and when he when he touches us, it it changes everything. And, and you notice. He didn't just, in this case, heal her of a sickness, of a fever. I mean, you know, normally, you know, you're, you're, if you've had a fever and, and you're, you know, your fever breaks, then you want to just kind of relax for a while, rest, regain your strength, maybe get some chicken noodle soup or something like that, um, and recover and take some time to kind of get back to yourself. But in, in this case, um, that's not what happened, but we'll talk about that a little bit later or in just a minute. But I, I think a lot of people go through trials and tribulations and so on, and the consequence of sin, basically, because they don't want to be touched by Jesus. People who have been raised in Christian homes, um, they know. You know, they, they know, of course, they'll reject Christ and they'll, you know, many times um, deny him and try to refute claims about him and that sort of thing. But the fact is, they know. And in, in the 2,000 years since, you know, roughly since Jesus uh, was walked this earth, look at the impact that he still has today. Can you name anybody else or think of anybody else that has had that kind of impact? On mankind, only Jesus Christ fits that situation, fits that scenario. So, folks, you know, when the Bible tells us that, that people are made aware of Christ, they're made aware of them in a lot of ways that we don't even, you know, we can't even think of, we can't even imagine. So, people know, people know what Jesus does, people know who Jesus is, people know what kind of power um, he has, and, and they know what a touch does in their lives. It makes a difference. It changes 
everything about them. Um, so, um, I, you know, I, I kind of get the feeling, well, I, I, it's not just a feeling. It's, it's, you know, I believe this. I believe it's a fact that because there are people who, you know, don't want to be touched by Jesus and, you know, are fearful of how it will change them. They don't want to become holy rollers or, you know, whatever you want to call it. I, I really believe that he allows sicknesses and hardships and turmoil and and devastation and you know all the terrible things that, that or at least things that we deem as being terrible he allows them to happen to us just to get us to a point where we will allow him to touch them you know I, again we, it doesn't say much about Peter's mother-in-law here and what kind of person she was you know, when you're laid up in the bed and you can't function um, and somebody comes along that you know has the power to heal you, you're going to let them do it. Um, and so, you know, that's what Jesus did and I believe that's what Jesus does. Um, he lets things happen many times in our lives. I know a lot of people say that Jesus doesn't want anybody to be sick. I, I don't believe that. I believe there are a lot of times when he does want people to be sick. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into that whole discussion. I don't have time for it. But um, the fact is there's a very good reason behind, you know, why he would allow that to happen, why he would, you know, make that situation occur. And I believe a lot of it is just so he can touch them and uh, heal them and let them feel his power and make a difference in their lives. Now, Jesus healed men that, that they might serve. You know, physical fever is kind of like spiritual fever. It causes the patient to change from hot to cold, creates a terrible thirst, brings pain and weakness, takes away beauty, puts you out of working order. Like physical fever, spiritual fever is is uh, contracted because of, of low areas in our lives. Um, stagnation, excessive heat, poor diet, filth, and the presence of those carrying the disease, those around us, you know, uh, uh, affiliations and associations. Jesus is the cure for that. He's the cure for spiritual fever because we allow spiritual fever to come into our lives by falling away, uh, I, I don't understand how people can, can you know, miss church as often as they do just because they got a sniffle or something like that. Um, we allow it by associating with people that we really should not associate with. Um, you know, there we do it by not staying in His Word, by not studying what what He's preserved for us. And being confident in, in that what we have is, the, in fact, the, the Word of God. Um, so we allow we allow these things to come into our lives, <coughs> um, and Jesus has to come in and cure us. And, and notice what happens though when he does this. When he does this to Peter's uh, mother-in-law, she immediately got up and began serving. I, I mentioned before that. You know, a lot of times when you're sick, or you've had a fever or whatever, and, and the fever breaks, you, you want to take some time to recover. Well, she didn't do that. She got up, 
and immediately began to serve. It says, and he touched her hand, a fever left her, she arose and ministered unto them. Simple as that. You know, the, there's no elaboration. It just says he healed her, and it doesn't say he told her to get up and start serving. She just got up and started doing it because that's what she wanted to do. She wanted, she wanted to serve the Savior. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, quite honestly, we're pretty wimpy today. We've got it so good here in America that we don't know what it's like to be spiritually sick. Yeah, I think we are, by and large, in this nation compared to what we used to be, but we don't know it. We don't realize it um, because it comes on you slow. And, and, you know, Satan is a subtle serpent. He sneaks up on you and makes things happen that you don't realize, you know, that they're actually happening. And, and, and we're so um, spiritually deadened. And oftentimes, I believe, by things that we believe are spiritual, Satan comes as an angel of light. That's uh, one of his three main features. And, he, he, you know, the roaring lion, angel of light, and subtle serpent. So he will come to us in a form that appears to be, I guess, religious. I don't really like that term, but, you know, for lack of a better, he will appear to us in a religious form. And because it appears to be religious, um, we'll accept it if it has Christian terminology um, or if it has some sort of a Christian feel to it. Um, Satan is willing to play the numbers game. He'll sacrifice two to win 20. Um, he has no problem doing that sort of thing because uh, he's out to win any way he can. And so he will appear to us in, in ways that will cause us to accept what he's doing. But his, his purpose and, and the, the ultimate consequence of the things that he brings into our lives are that he, you know, we develop spiritual fever. Um, and we become no good to the cause of Christ. We're we're laid up in the bed with a, with a spiritual fever, and we can't do anything. We can't serve. We can't fulfill our purpose. We can't please God. We can't exercise our faith. There are so many things that this spiritual fever does. But all it takes, folks, is a simple touch from Jesus, and it doesn't matter where or when or how or whatever we're doing. What, what we're looking for is for Jesus to come into our lives in some area. And, and see his power, see the glory of God work in our lives and allow that fever to leave us. And, when, and, and we need to have that mindset that when I get down and when I get away from God, that number one, I want to seek the touch of Jesus anew. And number two, I want to get back on the battlefield just as quickly as I can, just like a soldier in the army. You know, he wants to get back out there and renew the fight. He doesn't want his buddies to be out there. You know, that's what happens in, a, in the Army. You, you, you make such close friends with those that are in your, your uh, platoon or, or whatever that you, you want to protect one another and you want to battle alongside them. And so you don't want to leave them out there on their own. You want to get back out there and, and work with them to win the battle. And so, you know, that, I think that's the picture that we get here that Peter's mother-in-law isn't spoken of a lot, but when you look at what happened and how it went about and you see all the things that went into it that we just talked about, 
Our goal is to get back out on the battlefield, folks. We need to shed this spiritual fever. Let Jesus just touch us in some way. So find some area in your life where you're struggling and open it up to Jesus. Turn it over to him and let him take control so that uh, you can get that spiritual fever removed and you can get back on the battlefield. God bless and we'll be back soon.